If you have your Bibles, Colossians chapter 3 is where we'll begin today. We, we continue with this uh, very purposeful journey through the book of Colossians. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been taking a lot of time to talk about, as Paul writes about, the death of the sinful nature. Paul has highlighted the fact in his letter that coming to Christ doesn't just mean coming to Christ. Can I say that again? Coming to Christ doesn't just mean coming to Christ. It's much more than that. Something significant changes in us when we come to Christ. Our nature is different. Our character is different. We are fundamentally different. The Bible often refers to it as new creations. And that has deep, deep implications on how we think about our lives From that point forward, I want to read the first four verses in Colossians chapter 3 from the New Living Translation. Paul writes these words. Since you have been raised to new life in Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. I know I've told you this story a time, or maybe two before, so please forgive me as I indulge once again. I think it applies really well to what we just read. When our son Tyler was an infant, he took his first steps on a Mother's Day Sunday. We always thought that that was very kind of him to give that gift to his mom, that he would take his first steps on Mother's Day. He was a championship level crawler. He could roll, he could flip, he could flop, he could climb with the best of them. He had a number of modes of transportation already down, but it was on Mother's Day that he decided to walk for the very first time. The catch is, that Tyler was rather unimpressed with the skill of walking. He tried it out. It was Mother's Day after all. Um, But it just didn't seem to jive with him. He didn't seem to enjoy it. He didn't really get the point when you can crawl where you need to go, when you can roll down the hallway to get where you need to go, when you can climb over any wall that you need to. Why would you walk? And so after trying it once, he just said, I'm not really going to do that again. And he went several months before he actually started walking on a regular basis. We would beg him, we would ask him, we would set him up, and he'd say, no, why would you do that? He didn't walk again. The problem wasn't with his ability. We knew that Tyler knew how to walk. He had the capability to walk. I think the issue was his mindset. In his mind, there was no reason to walk. In his mind, crawling was much more efficient. In his mind, crawling made more sense. He had a new nature. He had the ability to walk and to be, to be mobile the way grown-up humans are mobile. There was a new nature, but he was still thinking like an infant. And there's a lesson there for those of us who are growing spiritually. The lesson is this, a new nature calls for a new mindset. A new nature calls for a new mindset. Jesus has given us the ability to take great spiritual steps, but too often it's our own mindset that keeps us confined to the floor. It's not enough just to be different. 
We have to think differently too. Jesus has changed our nature when we come to Christ. But notice, according to this uh, scripture that we've read, that it remains our responsibility to change our focus. It remains my responsibility to change my mindset. Paul put it this way in the first verse I read. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights. You do it. You set your sights on the realities of heaven. He doesn't say since Christ has already cut away your sinful nature, sit back and wait for him to change the way you think. He doesn't say that. He says since Christ has already cut away your sinful nature, now it's time for you to start thinking differently. Growing up means taking on that responsibility of thinking differently. Now, I would acknowledge that's not always an easy thing to do. It's not always as simple as us saying, oh, I'm going to think differently. Oftentimes we need help with that. I'm certainly a great proponent of of counseling and of wisdom and of working together on helping us to take hold of what is ours. But Paul does say, take hold of it. Do it. Do it. Start thinking differently. For those of us who have wondered why we don't feel as different as we thought we would after coming to Christ, Paul offers the suggestion that perhaps that's because we haven't yet taken responsibility for our own mindset. About a year ago, uh, Costco Warehouses opened up a new store not far from where I live. And Sue and I discussed it and said, well, you know, let's, let's get a membership. We had not been members of Costco before. There wasn't one convenient to our, our, our house. It just wasn't one of those things. But now there's going to be one right there. And everybody raves about Costco. Let's get a membership. Let's try it. I had shopped at Costco's before. I had never been a member, but we had a membership here at the church. When Mary Cahall worked here, Mary, you were at Costco once a week, weren't you? Right? And so sometimes I, I would go over there and pick something up. I'd been in Costco's with other people that had memberships. I hated Costco. I thought it was the worst place on earth. There's a lot about Costco that I didn't like. And so when they opened one, I was like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. I just absolutely hated Costco. Uh, Costco, in my mind, was too big. You go in there and, and you know, you're looking for something and so you ask somebody and they tell you, well, you gotta pack your lunch and pick up the bus here and it'll take you there. And you know, like, they're just too big. They're too confusing. They're always moving things around. I remember going there once for something that I had been there before and I knew right where to go. And, and I went there and found potato chips. So like, they move things, it's too confusing. They have things next to things that don't belong next to those things. And I don't like it. There's a limited choice on products at Costco. It's kind of just one brand and one size. And if you don't want 400 of these by this brand, you're out of luck. Limited choice. There are a lot of reasons why I knew I wasn't going to like going to that Costco. Chief among them was I am offended. I am offended by the idea that I have to pay a membership fee for the privilege of buying things from you, right? I am offended by that. I knew I was not going to like this Costco. But they had a deal on the membership. It was right there. Sue said, let's try it. Okay, we're going to try it. You know what? I love Costco. It's, It's the greatest place on earth. I go to Costco every week on my day off, even when I don't need stuff. I just go and walk around and see what they have. They have the best stuff there. It's amazing. 
what they have at Costco. We have used that Costco membership and got our rewards money back times five. Or it's phenomenal. I love Costco. Costco, if you want to sponsor Hobson Road Community Church for the literally dozens of people that are getting this message online, send us a check. We'll make sure you get a giving credit for it there. Church, imagine if I had never changed my mindset. I would still have the membership, right? Okay, we'll buy the membership. I'd have the card in my pocket, but it would be unused. Nothing would really be different at all. I would still think Costco was a waste of time, and I would have missed out on all the great deals that I found this year just because I refused to change my mindset. One of the problems with the kingdom of God these days is that we have too many people with membership cards in their wallet, but they haven't bothered to change their mindset. So how do we do that? That's what I want to talk about today. Paul has some great advice in the verses we just read. He says this, be intentional with your thoughts. Be intentional with your thoughts. A lot of times I think we feel like our thoughts just happen to us. We, you know, suddenly I had this idea, I don't know where it came from, or suddenly I had this thought, I'm not sure where it came from. We feel like we are a victim of our own thought life. Our thoughts are out of our control, but that is not what the Bible says. The Bible says you can have control over your thought life. Romans chapter 8 says those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 says we take captive every thought and we make it obedient to Christ. Philippians chapter 4 says, Believer, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, or praiseworthy, think about those things. You take control of your thought life and you think about those things. And even Jesus himself, when Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment in all of Scripture? How did Jesus respond? He said, the greatest commandment is that you should love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and say it with me, with all of your mind. He says, you've got control. You've got authority over the way you think. You've got to use it for God's glory. You've got to use it for God's glory. According to the Bible, we have the ability to determine our own mindset. So as new creations in Christ, what specifically should we be putting our focus on? Well, Paul says in verse 2, think about the things of heaven. Think about the things of heaven. If you've been a part of HRCC for more than a few months, you heard me speak earlier um, last year about heaven. Think about the things of heaven. Does, does that mean that we think about streets of gold? Does that mean we daydream about pearly gates? Does that mean we imagine angels flying around with harps and puppy dogs floating on clouds? No, no, that's not what that means. What does heaven mean? Heaven is a kingdom. Heaven is a kingdom. It is a kingdom where Jesus reigns and where life as God designed it to be happens without flaw or opposition. Heaven is a kingdom. Think about the things of that kingdom. Think about the things of heaven. And so the people of God in Christ choose to divorce our minds from many of the things that really seem important in this world. And we think instead about the things that have relevance 
in the heavenly kingdom. And that's the kingdom in which you have been raised to new life. And in that kingdom, you know what? Worldly politics aren't relevant in the kingdom of heaven. Worldly success doesn't translate to the kingdom of heaven. Worldly finance has no value in the kingdom of heaven. Worldly disappointments fade away in the kingdom of heaven. Worldly victories cannot last in the kingdom of heaven. And worldly power just doesn't matter in the kingdom of heaven. So the people of God don't waste their time thinking about such things. We think about the things of heaven. What does matter in heaven? Reconciliation. Reconciliation matters in heaven. Love matters in heaven. Forgiveness matters in heaven. The glory of God matters in heaven. Worship matters in heaven. Divine healing matters in heaven. Prayer matters in heaven. And so it's things like this that we think about. Those are the things that are relevant to our new lives. And these are the things that occupy the thought life or the mindset of a new creation in Christ. Boy, I wish it was always that easy, don't you? It's not. It's not always that easy. And it's okay to say, sounds good. It's kind of tough to live that out. And that's why Paul gives us more advice. He says, it's not just about being intentional with your thoughts. You need to be persistent with your thoughts. How many of us, you don't have to raise your hand, you might not want to. How many of us within the last two weeks have walked into a room and forgotten why we walked into it? How many of us have gone to preach a sermon and realized that our shoes been untied for quite some time? How many of us have looked intently for something that we've lost and halfway through the search forgotten what it was that we were looking for? I, as a teenager, one of my favorite bands was U2, and they used to sing, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And more and more, I find that's kind of an anthem for my life. And it's not that I haven't found what I'm looking for, it's that I forgot what I was looking for. But I know I haven't found it yet, right? There are elements of our spiritual lives that can feel that way. By the way, for those of you that haven't experienced that, your day is coming, amen? There are elements of our spiritual lives that feel that way. We start off determined in a particular area when we come to Christ, right? Just like the Colossian church, we receive the gospel with joy. The seed takes root in our lives and we're like off like a shot. Things are going great. But as we grow up, we have these moments where we feel like, now why was I doing that again? Like we've kind of momentarily forgotten why we're doing what we're doing. I'm here to tell you there's a very, very good reason for that. You are not losing your mind. You are not going crazy. You are not losing your faith. You are not backsliding. There's a very good reason for that. Here's what Paul says. He writes it in verse three. He says, look, your real life is hidden. It's hidden with Christ, but it's, it's hidden. It's not easy to see. These heavenly realities that we're supposed to be living in, they aren't always apparent. They aren't always obvious. They're hidden. And so it takes focus, but it also takes persistence. It takes every day saying, I need to remind my heart 
of what it is that I'm looking for. I need to remind my spirit of how it is that I've been called to live. I need to remind myself of what it is that matters in this kingdom that I now find myself born into. It takes persistence. I remember when Sue found out that she was pregnant with Jessica, our first, how quickly our lives changed. We just immediately reordered everything. We were newlyweds at the time. And so we were in the process of selling uh, one house and trying to find another. We were in the process of just kind of adjusting to, to married life. We were in the process of Sue making some changes with her career. And all of these things suddenly became secondary to what needed to happen for the new baby that was on the way. All of these things suddenly became ordered as to how they would impact the new baby that was on the way. We changed the, the way we lived. We changed the, the habits that we had day to day. We changed everything. That's what expectant parents do, right? We have a lot of brand new parents in our congregation right now. And, and I expect that I, I'd hear an amen from you guys. If I was, everything changes when you find out the new baby is coming. Now, here's the thing. We couldn't see the baby yet. In a, in a very real way, the, the baby wasn't there with us yet. And still, everything we did pointed to the reality that we were about to become parents. Everything we did pointed to a reality that we could not yet see. We need to be persistent in our spiritual lives that way. The kingdom is already conceived in us, but it has not yet fully arrived. So our task now is to orient our lives, just as expecting parents do, around a reality that is promised, but we cannot yet see. Church, that's what hope is. That's what hope is. The world thinks hope means you cross your fingers and hope that maybe it happens. But the people of Christ know hope means living in a reality that we know is coming, but we can't yet see. That's what hope is. And that takes daily commitment. That takes persistence not to lose sight of what you can't actually see in the first place. I want to say that phrase again, because as I wrote it, I thought, now that's weird. So I'm going to say it again. Our goal is to avoid losing sight of something we can't actually see. To avoid losing sight of something we can't actually see. Are you with me? Doesn't that sound weird? That sounds weird, but it's the truth. It's the truth. If you are a Christian, you are trying to live your life in a way that doesn't make sense to the rest of the world. It doesn't make sense to the rest of the world. And look, we have non-Christian friends that, that are great people and, and, and have good intentions. And they want to say, look, friend, I get it. You're religious. It's cool. You're down with Jesus. I get it. It's cool. But you know what? They don't get it. They don't get it. They don't understand. They can't possibly because they are living in one reality. And you who are in Christ are living in a completely different reality. And it will never make sense to someone who hasn't encountered Jesus. But there is coming a day. There is coming a day when everyone will see with their own eyes what Christians see in faith right now.
They might not get it now, but someday the world will understand. Someday the world will understand. Someday the sacrifices that a follower of Jesus makes will make sense to everyone. Someday the truth about agape love will be apparent to the whole world. Someday the passion that God's people have for for prayer and for worship will just seem so obvious to everyone. There is coming a day when the Lord Jesus Christ will return in bodily, visible form to the earth. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 describes it this way, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. It's described many places throughout Scripture. Oftentimes when Scripture describes that day and that moment, they say this is the moment when the glory of God is revealed to the entire earth. The revelation to the entire earth, not just those who have believed, but to the entire earthly population, the revelation of the glory of God. If you wonder about that term glory of God, Garrett preached a great message about the glory of God and all the implications that has just about a month, maybe five or six weeks ago. I encourage you to go back and give it a listen again. There is coming a day when the entire world will see and recognize and understand the glory of God. But look at what Paul wants the Colossian Christians to know about that day. It was the very last verse we read this morning, verse four. He says, and when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. You, you who have been called into Christ, you who have been made new creation, you will share, you will partake in the glory of God. Church, here's what you need to know about that. Number one, Jesus is coming back. Number two, the whole world will see his glory. And number three, buckle your seatbelt. Those who are his will share in that glory. Those who are his will share in that glory. Look, I want you to understand my heart. I trust you do, but I'm going to say it anyhow. This is not about men and Google. We got it right and you got it wrong. This is not about, look at us, we were religious and Christian the whole time, and y'all just understanding now what we've been talking about. (laughs) That is not what's going on here. What's happening is an inheritance, right? What's happening is an inheritance. The Father is sending the Son to step into the kingdom that is His, and He's saying, make sure your people share that glory. Make sure your people share in that glory. That's what's going to happen. But in the meantime, as we've observed, there's a lot about the lifestyle and the mindset of a Christian that doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense that we think that the way to greatness is to become the servant of all. It doesn't make sense that we think that love is best measured by the way we love our enemies, not our friends. It doesn't make sense that we believe that the best response to an offense is to turn the other cheek. Doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense that we intentionally and persistently set our minds on a kingdom that nobody else can even see. Doesn't make sense. 
Those things don't make sense to anybody who hasn't surrendered their life to Jesus. But someday, everyone will understand. Someday, everyone will understand. And I imagine, look, this isn't hard and fast scripture here. This is just kind of the way I try and imagine that in my mind. I imagine that one of the many things that will be occurring as Christ is revealed in glory, as he returns in physical and bodily form, as the trumpet sounds and all shall see him, I imagine that among the chaos of that moment, among the many things that are happening right in that instant, there are going to be unbelievers who will look towards their Christian friends and they'll think, so that's why you wanted to know Christ and to participate in his sufferings. So that's why you considered it pure joy when you faced those trials. So that's why you refused to wrestle against flesh or blood, but always against the evil in the unseen world. Church, someday, they're going to understand. They're going to understand. Look, we who are in Christ have been changed. We have been transformed. The good news of the last couple of of messages that I've shared based on the last few lines of Paul's letter is that that transformation has happened. When you came to Christ, you became a new creation. The addendum to that that he gives us today, kind of the transition that he gives, the implications as to how that affects and impacts our life is that it remains our privileged responsibility to say that we need to start thinking differently about the life we live. We need to start thinking differently about the life we live. We need a new mindset. We need a new mindset. The challenge, I think, is that that mindset that we are called to doesn't make sense. It is going to be in conflict with our old nature. It is going to be in conflict with with the people that we share this planet with, right? It is going to be in conflict with all kinds of logic and reason and supposedly wise thinking. It's going to be in conflict. But we can take solace in knowing that that conflict is but a temporary condition. Because Christ is coming back. The kingdom of God is not a mindset. I've talked a lot about changing a mindset, but do we hear this? The kingdom of God is not a mindset. The kingdom of God is a reality. And someday, everybody's going to see it. And someday, everybody's going to understand. And so as you listen to the words of the Holy Spirit today, whether you read scripture and digest his word that way, whether you just rest in his presence in prayer, whether you recognize the wise, godly counsel of somebody speaking to you in whatever way you you interface with the word of the Lord today, I believe we can do it all of those ways, in whatever way you interface with the word of the Lord today, you are going to hear, Christian, you are going to hear him call you into a new way of living. You are going to hear him call you into a new way of thinking, and it's not always going to make sense. That's okay. Don't be afraid. Don't be concerned. Don't feel out of place. Do we remember where this whole letter began? You're part of a great big tribe. 
And we together are working towards a new reality. We together are working and efforting to change our minds, to live according to a kingdom we know we just can't see it yet. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Father, we thank you for this day. We are reminded now of that slogan, really, of the early church. Our spiritual forefathers who would greet each other and they would say, Lord Jesus, come quickly. It was always on their lips. They would meet each other in the marketplace. And in the, 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 the trade language of the day, in Greek, they would say, Maranatha, come quickly, Lord. It was always on their lips because it was always on their minds. They never stopped thinking about that kingdom to which they had been called. Father, our confession today is that I fear that in too many cases we've thought more about this kingdom than about that. Father, we would confess to you today a, a church, a modern church, a contemporary church uh, that has thought more about influence in this world than influence in the next. Father, we have signed up and got the membership card and got it in our pocket, but we haven't changed our mindset. And so, Lord, Forgive us of the, the sin of waiting for you to do that which you've already said we can do. Forgive us of that error of sitting back and expecting something that you have already proclaimed is. Lord, we want to be a people of that kingdom, not this one. And so we ask simply for your help in being intentional and in being persistent. We can flood out the, the doors of this building in a few moments thinking, I got it. I'm going to do well. But Lord, Monday morning is, is right around the corner. A new work week is right around the corner. Difficult relationships at home and in our neighborhoods are right around the corner. Challenges at school right around the corner where we're going to need to be intentional and persistent tomorrow as well. So Father, we submit ourselves to you. Use us as reminders one to another. Help us to go about the sometimes difficult work of, of establishing a new mindset, a new way of thinking. Lord, it is our desire that just as Jesus taught us to pray, to pray, thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, that daily that becomes our cry. Help me to live today according to your kingdom, that your will would be done in my life just as it is in heaven, because that's the reality that I was born into. Father, we present to you right now our minds on an altar of sacrifice, that they would be transformed in order to understand and know what your good and perfect will is. Accomplish this in our, in our lives, we pray. It's in Jesus' name. Everybody says, amen. 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 Blessings to you guys.